Hello, I'm Tyler Smith, and this is More Than One Lesson. Now, real quick, I need to apologize to everybody, because uh, since I apparently don't understand how calendars work, this episode is a few days late. Uh, I miscounted the number of Thursdays in September, and uh, yeah... Sorry about that, everybody, but uh, hopefully you uh, had plenty of opportunity to listen to that episode with Robert about uh, religious satire, which I'm very proud of, and uh, thank you very much to Robert for uh, taking the lead on that episode. Uh, as far as other announcements, there are a number of, of uh, articles on More Than One Lesson uh, featuring our new writer, uh, Esther O'Reilly, who uh, turns out some very good, insightful work, so please check that out. And then lastly, over my other podcast, Battleship Pretension, in case you're interested, uh, we are uh, we just recorded our uh, zombie commentaries, in which case uh, what we did, we spent an entire day watching Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, Day of the Dead, and then the Dawn of the Dead remake, uh, and commented on them all day long and got really punchy there at the end, as we always do when we do these commentaries. But they're available over BattleshipPretension.com for $3 each or $10 for all of them. It is a great way to support the show, and it was a, it was a fun record. I really enjoyed it. So if you're in the mood to, uh, with Halloween times coming up, if you want to uh, engage in some, some horror-related activity, then I would suggest uh, buying those zombie commentaries. So, all right. That is about it as far as announcements. So here we go. We have a guest today, no co-hosts, uh, no Reed, Josh, or Robert. Uh, instead, we have uh, a guest who I only became aware of recently. I posted one of his videos on YouTube, uh, sorry, on uh, our Facebook page recently. And uh, he is a comedian, and listeners know that I'm a big fan of uh, stand-up comedy. And uh, his name is Adam Yenser. Adam, how you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me, Tyler. Thanks, thanks for coming so much. Uh, this is very exciting um, because I am a movie guy, and that is primarily how I see myself. But ever since I was a kid, I have loved stand-up comedy. Yeah, I grew um, up watching stand-up, and it's it's so much fun once you start doing it. Yeah, it's I could never do it. I mean, like I've been on stage doing stuff before, but there's just something. You're you're all alone up there. Have you ever tried it at all? I have never tried oh, it. Oh yeah, I, I think it would. <laughs> I don't think it would do well for me. Uh huh. Like I I did plenty of acting on stage, and that was fine because by the time by the time a play got to me, well, this is already tested material, uh -huh. so it'll be fine. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, those the idea of of trying out new material and just taking a risk. Uh, no, thank you. Yeah. Not for me. So um, but we'll we'll get into more of that uh, in a moment. So uh. By way of um, biography, uh, where where were you born? Where are you from? Uh, I'm from McCungie, Pennsylvania, originally, which is near Allentown. It's okay. like an hour north of Philadelphia. So, uh, yeah, I grew up there. I uh, went to Penn State University, then uh, moved to New York and started working in the industry uh, around, like, 2005. Okay. So, yeah, yep. Um, so, what, uh, what kind of... Um environment were you raised in like either spiritually or artistically you know uh you know when i was growing up uh it, it was a small town um it's kind of a uh it, it's kind of like a i guess a conservative area mm -hmm. but um like my family we, we always you know went to church every week growing up um you know me and my brothers went to sunday school but it wasn't like a, a very strict religious household by right. any means you know we, we went to church regularly but it, we weren't uh we weren't kind of the family that was like bombarded by, right. you know, religious indoctrination or anything like that. So based on that, I would guess that uh, as far as movies, TV shows and comedy, it was a fairly okay environment. For yeah, me. I was pretty much, you know, we, we were allowed to watch, uh, you know, most most movies and television shows, especially as we got older. I remember when I was when I was young, we weren't allowed to watch The Simpsons. And then as I got older, The Simpsons is now like a family show. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like it's yeah. so wholesome compared to everything else out there. Yeah, it's very um, tame. And then I remember like like a big a big thing for me was when uh, South Park first started because okay. South Park is maybe one of my favorite shows now. Yeah. Um, and uh, I remember like when it came out, I was probably I was probably around twelve years old, and you know I started watching it. And I knew from the first episode that it was you know like this this yeah. vulgar show, and then. Uh, because I hadn't been able to like watch stuff like that when I was younger, mm -hmm. when I would stay up to watch it, sometimes my parents would uh, 
say, oh, let your little brother stay up and watch it with you. And I would get so mad because I was like, oh, if I was his age, I wouldn't be allowed oh, yeah. to watch this show. And now what, what I what I still, I mean, I loved this about South Park when it started. And even, even now is like, as vulgar as it is, mm-hmm. they work in these sort of positive moral lessons of these really, really sort of intelligent political commentary and cultural commentary that you don't find on other shows. Well, in this and most that, recent season yeah. is about as incisive as they've been in a long time. Yeah. And that is a show that is, I think, very intelligent. But it dresses itself up as dumb and vulgar, and yeah. I think that's the brilliance of it. Yeah. Uh, in that way, it is similar to um, horror movies. I, I clearly have horror yeah. movies on the brain, which is, yes, they can be bloody. Yes, they can be completely outlandish. But if you actually look not even that deep underneath the surface, you see that, oh, my gosh, this is exploring all kinds of yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, uh, as as listeners know, um, uh, a lot of the people that we've that we've had on the show, you know, were often raised in, in a Christian household, and then they yeah. get into the entertainment industry, often in spite of the way that they were raised, uh-huh. um, to such a degree that you kind of, when you hear some of their stories about like what their parents did and did not discourage, uh, it uh, you kind of wonder like, how did you? Not how did you get out of there, but how did you wind up here? Yeah. You know, you know, I, I was lucky in that, um, you know, my parents were always kind of supportive of, mm. of me, you know, wanting to do this. Like they, I, my, my mom, I know says like when I was, when I was young, I would like real little, I would stay up to watch, uh, Johnny Carson's monologues all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, as I got older and I, I would watch, you know, stand up specials on comedy central all the time. And I loved like Saturday night live and Monty yeah. Python and, you know, as I got older and I, I, you know, for a while, um, I was interested in like the special effects side of the entertainment industry. I was fascinated by it. I never really got into it much, but, you know, I kind of looked into getting into that when I was younger. My parents supported that. And then as I, as I got more into like, uh, like writing sketch comedy is kind of what I, I developed like, mm-hmm. uh, um, you know, I, I started liking that like in high school and when I went to college, Kind of the ideal job was like getting a job writing for SNL right. or something like that, and uh, my parents were always really supportive of that, and you know they they definitely encouraged me there. So how did you move from? Because yeah, it's sketch comedy, improv comedy, stand up, you know, all that sort of thing. Um, they are all sort of a lot of those. A lot of the people in those separate worlds do still know each other, but they are still very very separate disciplines. Yeah. So how did you move from? sketch comedy and i know that you you still write sketches yeah. and bits and stuff like that but how did you move from that to stand up because a very different situation yeah i like when i was in high school and college uh well, well in high school uh me and uh one of my best friends growing up his name's dan shelley i still do stand up with him um when i'm back in pennsylvania uh, but we would just start making little sketches on our own and stuff mm. like that and then um at penn state they had a, uh, that's where I went to college. They had a campus television network with like a sketch comedy show that I uh, started writing for and then eventually was like head writer and one of the producers for that mm-hmm. show. And so I loved writing sketch comedy um, and that's kind of the the path that I was going on. But I always loved watching like stand-up specials. That was mm-hmm. always something like in the back of my mind that I thought I would like to do. Yeah. Um, and then while I was at Penn State, I got an internship for Late Night with Conan O'Brien in New York, uh, moved up to the city and interned there for for almost a year, and then became the uh, the intern coordinator at Conan mm-hmm. um, and kind of worked there as like a, an assistant for several years. But while I was there, I, I developed more and more of an interest in doing stand-up, so I'd write down jokes. I never really got up the nerve to do it. And then one year while I was there, it was during the writer's strike when the show went off the air for a few weeks and I didn't really have anything else to do. Right. I went out to the uh, Upright Citizens Brigade Theater in New York. They had like a Saturday midnight open mic that was mm-hmm. like a lottery. Um, and I didn't, some people, when they start, they like tell all their friends to come out and see them. I didn't tell oh, yeah. like anybody. I was like, if this goes well, I'll try it again. If it doesn't, I don't yeah. want anybody to yeah. know you don't that want to show this. You don't want to show your first draft of the script yeah, to exactly. any friends. So so yeah, I went out and I and I did it, and it, the first time went well. The second time didn't, but you know it was it was a it was a fun experience, and I I liked it, and it felt like when when I actually got out there and tried it. As much as I still love uh, writing sketches and you know writing monologues and stuff like that, um, when I actually got out there, even after like the first time trying it, it was like oh this is this is what I want to do. This is like yeah. what has been like the most fun for me. 
Um, so here's a, a question that wasn't on the schedule, and it might be kind of uh, academic, so I apologize in advance. Um, how does one go about, from a stand-up uh, perspective, how does one go about writing a joke? Uh I guess it varies by comedian and what your style is. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you, you know, like my style isn't really like a storyteller style. I think right. some people, when they come up with a with a story, it's kind of they know where that, that story is leading. And that's right. kind of the punchline and the payoff. Um, I would say that my joke writing style, and I think a lot of comics who have like, like I do kind of like set up punchline kind of jokes or like right. one liner kind of jokes. So I think when you find a topic that you want to write a joke about or sometimes something just hits you while you're driving or, yeah. you know, it, it's hard to actually sit down and write a joke. Yeah. But ideas kind of come to you either through conversations or when your mind's wandering throughout the day. Um, and I think like some what, what often happens is you kind of around a topic, you get an idea of what you want the punchline to be. Mm-hmm. And then you kind of can work backwards from there and, you know, fill in how the setup gets you to that right. punchline. Um, and then, you know, there's some that are just, uh, you know, it's just your, your own individual take on, you know, whatever the issue is. Yeah. Uh, has there, have you ever told a joke that you just feel so passionately about? You put a lot of time into it and for whatever reason, audiences are just having none of it. And you finally just say, I guess I just have to let this one go. Yeah. That that happens all the time. You know, I mean, uh, you, you know, there, there's a lot of jokes that, that, you know, you have faith in and then they work and, and, you know, you feel justified, but then yeah, every now and then you come up with a joke. I'm trying to think of like, like an example of one of those. Yeah. Uh, there is, there is a joke that, that I do right now that I tried like years ago and I loved it mm-hmm. and it never seemed to work. And yeah. then I, I tried it over and over and it didn't work. And then like more recently I've put it back in again and it started working. Really? So, That's interesting. you know, that, that kind of stuff happens sometimes. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know what it is about. There, there are jokes where what's frustrating is like you have faith in that and you'll go back and look at them again. Mm-hmm. And you're like, no, the structure works. The, yeah. the punchline works. Why does the audience not laugh at this? <laughs> yeah. It's, um, that there's uh, there've been a number of, uh, in the last probably 10, 15 years, there've been a number of documentaries about standup comedy. Uh, yeah. Probably starting with comedian, the Jerry Seinfeld, mm-hmm. uh, documentary. Um, not that he directed it, but he's the, the star essentially him and, uh, Orny Adams. And, just to hear him talk about, you know, what you're, what you said that like, yeah, he'll, he'll throw out just a line that's, that even he thinks this is dumb. I, I can't even believe I said this in front of an audience and the audience just eats it up. Yeah. And he's like, I didn't put any effort into that. Meanwhile, this joke over here that I took the time to build up and it is a perfect joke. They're having, they just and don't that, want it at all. That's the reverse of it too. There are jokes, you know, that, that I have faith in that I try over and I'm like, yeah. oh, this one has to work. I, you know, I don't want to let it go. And then there are other jokes every now and then like, I'll go out to open mics, you know, and you try a bunch of material. And sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, if you're just trying to fill, like open mics are usually you get like three to five minutes. Mm-hmm. So if you're just trying out new stuff, sometimes I'll throw out like half-baked ideas or right. things that I'm not real passionate about. And then when one of those works, that's also like frustrating because I'll, I'll have friends that are like, oh, why don't you tell that joke again? That worked yeah. really well. And I'm like, I don't like that joke. I didn't want that one to be like part of the permanent set, you know? Yeah. And you know, uh, this is, uh, not that similar, but then, uh, there, look, I recognize not every episode of a podcast is going to be gold. Yeah. I, I acknowledge that. But then there are some, there are some that I, I put a lot of effort into a lot of research into, and I, I really feel like I've got something to say and it gets no comments at all. Uh-huh. Meanwhile, I just toss off this little thing about the, the, the new, uh, Ghostbusters movie. Yeah. And I get tons of emails about it. It's like, I put no thought into that. Uh-huh. Come on. I I guess I'm happy that people are engaging one way or another, but at the same time, you know, a little bit of appreciation for the work, but I guess you can't say, Hey, hey everybody, I put a lot of work into this joke. Yeah. So if you could really try to understand it and laugh, I would really appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. Um, I thought of two examples of jokes like that. Okay. That I here do. We the go. one is, um, the one that I, the one that I tried a few years ago over and over again, because I, lo- I liked it and it never worked. Mm-hmm. And then I started using it again and it, and it does really well now was, um, when the movie around the time the the movie Captain Phillips came out, mm-hmm. uh, Tom Hanks like it was revealed that he had diabetes because like he had and part of it was due to losing weight and gaining weight right. for different roles, 
And um, I had this joke where I said that, you know, Tom Hanks got diabetes after he gained weight to play Captain Phillips. And I feel bad for him, but who I really feel bad for is the real Captain Phillips, because that means he was so fat he gave someone else diabetes. <laughs> That's funny. And I used to tell that joke yeah. around the time that movie came out, and it was topical, and it bombed almost every time. And I'd go back and I'd look at it, and I was like, I think this joke works. Yeah, there's... And then eventually it just worked its way out of my set. And then, like I said, every now and then when you're going out to do open mics, I'll go through like you know, cause you want to, you want to try new stuff or stuff right. that you haven't broken out in a while. So I go through notebooks and I found that joke and I was like, I'm going to try to start doing this one again. Yeah. And I've done it, you know, for the past two or three months and it's, it's worked every time now. Um, and then there was one that I was that early on, uh, I don't think this joke is maybe as strong as the material I have now, but back when I was starting out, there was a joke that I wrote that I thought at the time, it was just as strong as the other stuff I was doing at that time. Yeah. But um, I'm trying to think, because I don't do it much anymore, but it was, uh, I'm trying to think how, how I worded it. It was about how um, uh, girls don't d- girls don't really care if a guy is uh, broke or doesn't have any money as long as he has a good sense of humor. Like right. if, he, if he was just joking about being broke. So okay, I, yeah. I always liked that joke <laughs> and I thought it was on par with, the other kind of jokes that I was doing at that time. Sure. But it never worked. And so I, I would try it over and over again. And it would always be the weak point in the set. And then eventually I let that one go. Man, it's, I, I love, I love stand-up so much that I could always, I, there, and there are a million podcasts yeah. by stand-up comedians now. Um, not all of them good, uh, but, <laughs> but some of them are just so fascinating because you get a lot of interesting stories about the road, but then, just when they talk about like, oh, well, you can't, uh, you can't do your closer too early or, oh, the closer didn't work. Uh, I guess I'll try this other one. Yeah. No, it was your closer for a reason. And it just, it's astonishing to me that this, and I guess this could be said of almost any, any art form that it seems so effortless. Yeah. Um, but when you realize, oh no, there's, there, you know, comedians sort of need to be technicians in a way. Oh yeah. Everything, especially when it's like a, you know, uh, comedians that do either one-liners or like set up punchline kind of jokes. I think when you, when you're either storytelling or if you're doing crowd work or improvising, yeah. you know, you can be much looser, but, um, you know, in, in, uh, you know, whether, whether I'm writing jokes for, for other people or writing jokes for myself, when it's that type of joke, it's like every word has to be put in the perfect place and the pauses between the words have to be perfect. And yeah. you have to, you know, it can, it can make or break a joke depending on, you know, how, like the grammatic structure of how you're saying it and cutting it down to be as concise as possible. Um, so moving, uh, let's go backwards just a little bit. So you were raised in a Christian household. Yeah. Um, and at what point, because um, of the thing we've talked about uh, before, oh, not you and I, me and other guests. On other podcasts, um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's possible to be raised in a Christian household and even consider yourself a Christian. And then you realize, oh, wait, I actually, I'm not really. Yeah. It's more just a cultural thing. Uh-huh. Um, was that a situation for you? Like, at what point did this, did your faith become like a real thing in your life? Uh, I would say probably around the time I was in college is when I really solidified what I believed, you mm-hmm. know? Um, like I said, like when I was growing up, uh, you know, went to Sunday school every week, went to church, maybe not every week, but, you mm-hmm. know, at least a few times a month, um, you know? Uh, and then I would say like when I was in college is when I kind of had the choice of like, now I was living on my own. Like right. I don't have to go to church every week if right. I don't want to. <laughs> so I started going to like a contemporary service at, at a Lutheran church in, at the, in a state college, Pennsylvania. Um, and I remember that I was, I was, I double majored. I, I majored in film and video. And then I had for a while a minor in philosophy, which eventually became a major in philosophy and through, you know, like philosophy classes, which had always fascinated me. Like yeah. since I was in high school, you get exposed to different belief systems and different ways of looking at the world. And um, I remember very distinctly, like praying to God while I was in college one night, where I said, "You know, I've this is what I've always believed. You know, I've I've, I've read the Bible. I, you know, this is where my, you know, where my faith has always been, but I've never really explored what's out there. So, right. you know, in my studies, I'm gonna I'll be looking at, you know, studying other religions, other philosophies, people who are critical of religion. Yeah. Um, and you know, I just said, you know, guide me to where I'm supposed to be. And I think through 
you know, so I kind of, I never left the Christian faith, but there was definitely a time where I, where I questioned it and I continued to read the Bible through that period and continued to go to church through that period. And, you know, in studying all that other stuff and in learning more about the Christian faith in general and the historical aspects of it and the philosophy behind it, um, I kind of came back around to know this is, this is what I believe and this is where I stand on this. Yeah, that's, it's, it's a very common story, whether it be in, in high school or co- at college a lot. Yeah. Um, and this idea that somebody raised in a Christian environment will not even necessarily move away from it, but like, all right, I'm going to start researching these other things. And what there is a point where you realize, like, you know, I, I think it has, you know, faith should be a, a personal choice. Right. And I think there is a point that everyone gets to, even if you always remain a faithful person. Where you do, you do kind of take a step back and you realize, you know, I, this is the only thing I've ever known, you know, people who are raised in Jewish households or Muslim households, is there really a difference between that's, that's all they were raised to ever know. So how can I, how can I remove myself from that or examine this in some sort of objective way? Yeah. It's, it's easy to, and maybe even, I don't know, suggested to be a little bit cynical Yeah, and just say, oh, Interesting. After my long, exhaustive search, I've arrived at where I was yeah. and how I was raised. What an interesting uh, turn of events. Yeah. Um, but that's the thing is is ultimately you do believe something because hopefully uh, a person believes something because they they do think that it is right. Yeah. And a lot of a lot of times what will happen is as as people uh, explore other religions and they explore them very in depth. They actually come to realize that, oh, wait, I actually don't know much about my own. I yeah. know about it on a surface level, but if I'm going to give – I need to give my own a fair shake as well. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and sometimes they move away from it. Sometimes they don't. But yeah. uh, And there was there was a similar experience. I mean, I would say college is where I, I really you know went through a period where I examined it a lot. But I would say even earlier than that, like I would say junior high, high school, like around the time I was 15 or 16, um, I, I went through – I started reading, I, I would read a chapter of the Bible every night before mm-hmm. bed. And, and I started doing that when I was 15 or 16 and praying every night before bed. Um, and I and I still do that. I still read a chapter of the Bible each night before bed. And then when I get through it, start over again. Mm-hmm. And I think part of that was that, that sense of like, I had grown up and you learn about these stories in church and in, right. in Sunday school. But then there was a point where I was like, I've never actually, you know, back then, I've never actually read the whole Bible. This is yeah. like, this is what I believe and base my life on. And I don't know half the stuff that's in there, you know? So I think, I think it's important for people to actually go through and read the scriptures and kind of inform themselves and, and understand the, the entirety of it, um, rather than just sort of the, the famous stories that everybody knows. Yeah. And sometimes the genealogies are work, but you know, you just, you you plow through them. (laughs) It's like, all right, the next couple of nights are going to be a a little rough, but that's all right. Chronicles chapters. (laughs) Yeah. You gotta, you gotta earn the ones that are, you know, exactly. You gotta earn the Psalms. Yeah. That's the way I see it. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's very, it is, it's so convicting, Mm -hmm. um, when, uh, friend, well, relatives, my mom, uh, <laughs> I didn't want to say her name, but whatever. Uh, when she kind of put this out there and she was saying it in regards to schoolwork, but also in regards to the Bible in general, that, you know, I know a lot about movies Yeah, and I've read a lot about movies and I do it really easily. Uh-huh. Uh, meanwhile, apparently this thing that governs my every action that's a chore. Somehow. Yeah. How is that possible? Uh-huh. Um, and, uh, and I think honestly, I think that is a function of, of being raised in a Christian environment, not, not to put anything on my parents or yours, but you just want to sleep in on Sundays, but your parents say, no, yeah. you have to do this. Yeah. You have to do this. And it's, un- and again, it's understandable and I appreciate it. But when you run across somebody who comes to faith later in life and they're not really exposed to it in a cultural way, uh-huh. the way we were, they're thirsty for it. Yeah. Like they just, they can't get enough of it. Um, you know, in a few weeks, um, we're going to have on a guy who, who became Christian at age 50 uh-huh. and just was so excited about it. Yeah. And I look at that, I'm like, I don't know if I've ever really felt that excited about uh-huh. it because it was always there. I kind of t- take it for granted. Sometimes, yeah. Even now. Um, this is an aside, but what you okay. said about, uh, 
you don't really, you just want to sleep in on Sunday mornings. Yeah. Like I'm still guilty of that. I started, that's the other thing in college, even though I became more religious, that's also when I started going to the Saturday evening contemporary services. Yeah. Cause then I tell myself I, I can justify it by saying, Oh, well, isn't Saturday the real Sabbath, but really it's just so I can sleep in on Sunday mornings. <laughs> well, and, and, you know, and I'm fine. I think that's fine too. Cause you're part of a community. And yeah, all that kind yeah. Of thing. yeah. My church now has a 9am service, uh-huh. an 11 and a five. When they introduced that five, I was like, all right. Looks pretty good. Yeah, it looks yeah, pretty good. Yeah. Because that nine is, that's a non-starter. Oh, yeah. Uh, but, and then 11, it's like, that's the one I probably should go to. Because I don't like the idea of interrupting my day. Yeah. Going to church and then coming back to my day. And so it's like, I guess that'll let, if there was a one, if there was a 1 p.m., that's the sweet spot for yeah. me. Because then I can sleep until noon uh-huh. and start my day. Yeah. Uh, and then I... And the the it's moment like, why that can't I realized, God work around our schedule? exactly <laughs> the moment that I realized, wow, I'm really working on this a lot, yeah, and figuring out how best I can do this. I don't. I just said I don't want to interrupt my day uh-huh. with with this. So it is uh, it is pretty uh, fascinating, and, I, and it's a thing that you know there would be sometimes like two or three weeks in a row where I I wouldn't go to church, and uh-huh. uh, I've been on a pretty good pretty good jag lately yeah uh where it's like all right. yeah i miss it every now and then but i i'd go almost no. every week if if i miss the if i miss the saturday night service for some reason then i try to pull myself out of bed to go on sunday morning and the fact that my that my church puts the sermons on podcast uh-huh. does not make it easier yeah because it's like well i'm gonna get what i need yeah but that but it really is that is not the case like just being in the midst of people that are all wanting the same thing and all working towards the same thing. And then, yeah. you know, you're singing together, you're all hearing the same thing. And then just talking afterwards, you know, opportunities to pray with other people. Like it's just, it is very invaluable. And it's yeah. a thing that I, that I highly recommend. And it's a thing that when I've been away for a while, I find it's easier to stay away. But then when I come back, I realize, oh my gosh, what have I, I've been missing something and I don't think I realized. That. Yeah. So, um, so uh, now real quick before, since we're still kind of working on your, uh, your origin story in Superman uh, terms or superhero terms. Uh-huh. Uh, so who, uh, which comedians, either sketch or stand up or whatever, or whatever, would you say were, I, I separate them into two categories. Okay. There's inspiration uh-huh. and there's influence. Okay. You know, there, there are, you know, Comedians that are like, oh my gosh, that guy's so funny. I want to do what he does. And then you come to us. Well, not exactly the way yeah, he does. Yeah. Um, so who would you say were your inspirations and who would you say your influences? I would say um, both both inspiration and influence. I'd say uh, like when I was from the time I was real little, I loved Johnny Carson. I mm-hmm. grew up, you know, when I was a real little kid watching his show every night. Um, loved him. Uh, when I got older and started watching like the stand-up specials on Comedy mm-hmm. Central and stuff, um, Jim Gaffigan and Mitch Hedberg were probably two yeah. that I loved. How they 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 obviously don't have the same style, but they both yeah. have very kind of clean, crisp jokes. Yeah, you know. Um, so I, I like them a lot. And then as far as you know, inspiration, but people that I don't see necessarily reflected in my style as much would be like Monty Python. Sure. Like I love Monty Python. I I flew to England whenever it was three years ago, just to see their reunion show. Oh, wow. Because, uh, like, their, their movies and their sketches, uh, I don't... I, I love their sort of, you know, absurdist sensibilities, and, mm. and I love their sketches and stuff. Uh, I don't know whether I see that reflected in my own style as much, but I look up to those guys like crazy. I think they're hilarious. Have you ever felt, you know, and this is a, a question that can be asked of any Christian that is an actor, or writer, or whatever, uh, you know, obviously, this is a big part of your life. Yeah, uh, these beliefs. Do you ever feel the desire to bring them very uh, overtly into your stand-up, and maybe even start to identify as a Christian comedian? I I don't necessarily like the label of a Christian comedian, right? Because I think it limits your audience. Sure. I think I, I think it you you kind of become like a sort of preaching to the choir kind of comic. Then there are there are Christian comedians, and I don't mean to put them down in any right. way. But once you kind of are in that market, I think you kind of do, you know, youth gatherings and church groups, and right. that's kind of what you do. Uh, I definitely 
bring my Christian beliefs into my standup. I, I, yeah. you know, in most of my sets, I'll reference, you know, that I'm a Christian or a religious person or that I go to church. I have, I have jokes about that. Yeah. Um, and I, and I like that. I, I don't want to do like an entire set about my religion. Um, but I always work it in there because, it, you know, whatever kind of stand-up or comedy that you do, you bring, you know, your personality and part of yourself into it and it's your right. point of view. So because that is like a big part of who I am and my point of view, um, I always bring it in. Um, but I, I, don't, I don't necessarily think it's it's something where I want to be seen, like marketed in that way, that that's mm-hmm. just what I do. And, and I would say that the same thing goes for like working clean, like for the most part. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I work as clean as I can. It's not a hundred percent, you know, but I, I don't really curse much. I don't do like dirty jokes, you know? Yeah. Um, but I, I think it kind of limits your audience and it kind of pigeonholes you into this one style. If you say, Oh, I'm, I'm one of those clean comics, right. you know? Yeah. You could just say, I'm a comedian. Yeah. And then you can go out and say whatever, like, yeah. Somebody like a, like a Brian Regan is, is the one that people tend to He's the say he's Christians a, he, love Brian yeah, Regan because <laughs> oh look at that man yeah. energy and he and he's and he works clean and it's just like yeah but the fact of him being clean is not the best part about him yeah the fact that he's funny is the best part about yeah him. yeah um and same with with uh, Jim Gaffigan yeah um, and, and Jim Gaffigan I think is another uh, good example of of someone who's a very mainstream comedian but yeah. then in his standup he talks about you know being Catholic and yeah. experiences at church and things like that you know and it's not. You know, it's it's not in this sort of overly wholesome preachy way, yeah. but it is. You know, that's that's part of your experience, and that's part yeah. of your outlook on life and who you are. And if you, you know, if you don't bring, this has been a, a struggle for uh, my, my so, co-host and I. Go ahead. Just as a side, I I don't see the comedians who uh, are anti-Christian ever holding back on that. So yeah, we'll, I think uh, it's good. I think it's good when the Christian comedians yeah. bring it into their sets, also. Yeah, we'll we'll uh, definitely touch on that <laughs> in a moment. Um, yeah, that's definitely it's a thing that my my co-host and I have have kind of struggled with over the years. Is you know, all we're we're just talking about movies. Yeah. Well, we've had times where we talk about why we interpret a movie a certain way, why we specifically interpret it a certain way. Yeah. As you know, in my case, you know, a married Christian white conservative Christian, uh-huh. uh, uh, you know, guy. Um, and there are people that actually don't really respond to that. They just kind of say, no, 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 just talk about the movies. Like, yeah, but don't, but there's a reason why I think this, yeah. you know, why wouldn't you want to know that? And, you know, and people want relatability. And even if you just say, Hey, I'm a Christian or I'm a religious person, whatever you, you want to say. And then, and then you just go, ab- go about the rest of your jokes. Yeah. It's a point of view. And it allows people to say, oh, he's, he's like me. Not that that necessarily wins them over immediately. Yeah. But, and know. I, and I think what I like, um, I, I enjoy bringing, whether it's, you know, not, not for an entire set, but at some point in my set, I bring in, you know, either my Christian beliefs or my politics, which are much more conservative than mm-hmm. a lot of other people in the, in the comedy industry. And I think what's fun for me about those jokes is I've, I've always said this to either my friends or to other comedians is I love writing a joke where I can get the audience to laugh at something that I know they disagree with, or I know yeah. that they haven't been open to before. Yeah. And I, you, you never want to alienate the audience completely, but I like doing a joke that kind of pushes them away and then brings them back. And, and there's some of the, some of the biggest laughs and some of the biggest payoff is when you kind of break that tension of getting them yeah. to either laugh or see a point of view that they're not normally exposed to or open to. And when you think about it, at the, we've gotten to a point, you know, we're, we're a long way from Lenny Bruce where yeah. people are being arrested for, you know, uh, saying incendiary things. Mm-hmm. Uh, now you can say pretty much anything on stage. And so, and as you mentioned, and I'm, I, we can go ahead and transition into this. Uh, there are in the world of stand up, you don't yeah. run across a lot of conservatives and you definitely don't run a lot of uh, run across a lot of Christians. Uh-huh. Um, in fact, they're I think often there are, very open I, about I it. I think there are a lot of Christians that do stand up. Okay. Uh, I, I, I would agree that there's not many conservative people yeah. in the stand up industry. I think there are a lot of Christians, but some of them either either only, you know, only working in their sets a little bit or right. they may not be. They may not be people who who are o- overly religious in their own lives, right. but yeah, I, I definitely run into plenty of comedians who identify as Christian, but oh, okay. they may not kind of bring it into their act as much as yeah. 
Some others do. And as opposed to, there are people that are notably anti-Christian, yeah. and uh, they do bring it into their yeah. sense quite a bit. And it's interesting that at this point, um, there is there's nothing particularly risky about that. Yeah. It's much riskier, I would say. And I'm not trying to pat you on the back or no, pat it's Christians fine. Go on the back. for it. <laughs> <laughs> at this point, I think it's riskier, especially in a place like Los Angeles. Yeah. I think it's riskier to say that you are a Christian and you don't really, especially see when wrong it, with it and not to get you know into like too much politics, but sure. especially if it's from a conservative Christian perspective, yeah. that's something that is very uh, sort of taboo in the, in the comedy yeah. industry. And that, you know, it, it, it alienates, it alienates people who come, you know, there, there's these comedians who have either, you know, an, an anti-Christian or anti-conservative message. Mm -hmm. I think some of them are brilliantly funny people, Yeah, but you're also going out in a liberal city to a liberal crowd on a stage with a, usually a liberal host, all other liberal comedians and saying liberal things to a liberal yeah. audience and then saying, Oh, I, I pushed the envelope. You know, I was yeah. like, I was like Lenny Bruce or I was like, you know, George Carlin. Yeah. When those guys were doing that stuff, it was the country was different politically, yeah. and while they were certainly performing in you know some liberal cities and stuff, they were also performing for people that you know the, those ideas were kind of being more liberal was mm -hmm. sort of challenging the status quo at that point. Now the status quo, culturally, especially yeah. in metropolitan areas, is very liberal. So it's not necessarily the most diverse or different point of view you're not you're not challenging the audience really when you're getting up there and saying things they already believe i remember there was this uh i think it was one of his early uh televised stand-up specials pat oswalt had this bit where he he talks about being anti george w bush and the and the crowd cheers uh -huh. and he even makes a joke about it himself and he said he says i like how i act how i'm all edgy where it's like i don't care who i piss off in this room full of people i emailed yeah uh, <laughs> yeah it's it's so even even you know yeah. somebody like like him recognizes and that. i don't i don't as i don't there are there are a lot of you know liberal comics or anti-religious comics that mm -hmm. I personally find very smart and funny yeah. and that I that I like a lot. Um, but I would say what what I always think of is uh, are you familiar with Bill Hicks? Oh yeah, like I love Bill Hicks's stuff, yeah. even though he's somebody who you know politically and ethically is probably not in line with me. Yeah. I love his stuff and I loved his attitude on stage and I loved you know how he he would always challenge his audiences. Um, and one of my favorite quotes about comedy uh, came from him, and it, it's uh, it's along the lines of um, uh, a comedian is the person who, as the consensus form, says, "Wait a minute." Yeah, and I think that's you know as much as comedy is you know sometimes just telling silly jokes and having fun when yeah. it comes to sort of speaking truth to authority or presenting uncomfortable ideas and stuff I think the comedians should be the people who you know as the consensus is forming they say, yeah. "Wait a minute, do we want to?" You know, is this, is this really where we should be or is this really yeah. what we all feel? And I think you see on a bigger cultural level, um, I think you see the the pendulum kind of swinging that way with like the conversations about political correctness and, right. you know, these safe spaces and triggers yeah. and free speech um, and where those issues all come together in that as the country has become more, more liberal and more secular, mm -hmm. there's kind of now this pushback of like, well, we can't become overly sensitive and over, right. you know, just so cautious that we're not allowed, that we're not allowed to like challenge these ideas in any way. Yeah. It's, uh, it's very interesting to see, um, a lot of, uh, cause if you're an artist of any kind, you're, you're going to be in favor of free speech yeah. or you should be. Yes. And at the moment, especially at colleges, uh, mm -hmm. that it's, free speech is seen as a, as a negative thing, um, yeah. or, or an instrument on of, some of, of them yeah, yeah. on some yeah. of them. Yeah. Um, and so it's just, it's very interesting to hear comedians suddenly be on the, one could say the wrong side of an issue, yeah. uh, in that regard and having them suddenly realize, and I guess we're, we are talking politics and we can move away from that in a moment, but, yeah. uh, suddenly realize like, oh shoot. Okay. Hang on. There is such a thing as going too far in this, you know, yeah. one could say progressing too far. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, and I did want to ask actually very briefly because while, would you consider yourself a political comedian? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I again, um, in the same way that I, I, um, you know, I don't do an entire set about my religious beliefs and I don't do, I, I don't do entire sets about politics, except sometimes I do get booked. There are like shows that are right. just politically themed shows. Um, but yeah, I, 
I do political comedy. Um, I work it into most of my sets for at least you know a part of it. Um, and and I like that I'm more conservative because it does set me apart in a way yeah. from every every other voice that's out there. Not that there aren't any other conservative voices, but they're very rare in the comedy industry. I think you have a few that it's becoming. Uh, you know, more popular. There are definitely some really brilliant comedians that kind of toe the line of, you know, libertarianism and, yeah. you know, they kind of push back against the PC culture. Um, but kind of like strong conservative positions in comedy are, are pretty rare. So, you know, it's something that, that sets me apart. And yeah, I like working that in. Um, and then going back to what you said about Patton Oswald, I, and, and to what I said earlier about alienating the audience and mm-hmm. winning them back, I find it so much fun to do conservative themed comedy for audiences that are not all conservatives because yeah. I like that kind of playoff with the audience. Um, I know you saw me at the show with Evan say it a couple right. weeks ago, who's, you know, he, he tours around as a, as a conservative comedian. Yeah. Um, and I, I like doing shows with him, but then sometimes when it's an audience, that's all conservative people when, yeah. when it's billed as this is like a conservative comedy show, it feels more like a pep rally than a comedy show. Because it's like the stuff where I'm I'm normally used to playing with the audience a little bit. It just gets applause and woos and I was gonna lock say, her up. <laughs> there was like that, and then it and then it gets kind of too far in the direction of like there there are people who are more conservative than me. Yeah, and then I'm like I'm like oh I, I'm used to there being kind of more more diversity in the audience and opinions, and I like kind of playing with the idea that some people agree with this and some don't. Yeah, the show that I saw you at uh, it was a you know, overtly a conservative audience. Mm-hmm. And, um, and there were moments where they, they applauded a setup. Yeah. And it's just like, look, the punchlines, if you want to applaud the punchline, sure. Yeah. Yeah. But you're just now applauding that you agree with this. Uh-huh. It's like, oh, it's not, it's not a rally. Yeah. It's a, it, it is a comedy show. Yeah. So. <clears throat> um, so have you gotten any, uh, any flack, uh, in the standup community in Los Angeles or New York or New York? Um, for believing the things that you believe, do they have you found any anybody singling you out? Or uh, I I rarely get like negative feedback personally over it. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely you know comedians who disagree or have different points of view. There, I mean, there's been a few times where I would say like I I, I think I, I did a show at some club out here one time, and the guy that was hosting the show, just one of the other comics, a- after I went up there, it, it was some sort of like comedy competition yeah. and my set went fine. It was, you know, but, uh, when, when he came off, he goes, Oh, you can't say stuff like that. These audiences out here, they, they don't like that stuff. And yeah. most of the jokes had landed. It wasn't yeah. like it was the crowd didn't like it. He was just yeah. kind of like, saying, no, you can't, I don't like that you stuff. can't say that stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I don't think that happens very often. And a lot of comedians, even if they disagree with me personally or politically, they, they like that. I have, you know, a different point of view. Yeah. So, yeah, as is the case with almost any art form, if you get the art right, mm-hmm. you can say almost anything. Yeah. There are plenty of movies that I don't agree with that I love. Yeah, you know, I love JFK. Yeah, uh, I don't think I agree with and, Oliver Stone on anything, but that's and, a wonderful movie. And I think within uh, this is within the comedy industry, and I think within kind of arts and entertainment in general. I think other people who do this for a living, or who are who are comedians or writers or comedy fans we all like seeing different points of view and yeah. seeing people get challenged and kind of, yeah. you know, coming up with their own take on things. I think what, where the, where the danger is sometimes, um, is, is, you know, when there's one person in the audience who disagrees and is offended by it. Right. And then, you know, there's been a few, there's been a few instances, uh, you know, where, you know, one person in the audience is offended by something and then they'll go home and blog about it or right. post a video. And then you have comedians right. having to, apologize or people you know kind of going crazy over over jokes just because they disagreed with them uh which i i will use that to plug a, a documentary that i'm a huge fan of it's called that's not funny uh-huh and it is available on youtube uh the guy who made it made it uh, i think in 2013 2014 um and you know it was he made it as a function of you know a kickstarter and all that sort of thing so it hasn't gotten like a big release or anything like yeah. that but uh, but it's on youtube and it's uh i want to watch that i haven't seen it yet it's but marvelous I, nice i'll have to check it out i love it um warning language yeah by the way <laughs> uh, just a heads up on that um so uh so we should probably move into um you know your your 
professional uh, achievements. Uh-huh. Uh so you worked on Conan and Yeah, I was a I was a producer's assistant at Conan for 6 years. Mm-hmm. I started working for him in New York. Um moved out here when he took over the Tonight Show. Mm-hmm. And we all thought we're moving to LA, we're going to have hey. the Tonight Show forever. Uh and then uh yeah, so then I was there when all the stuff with uh, Leno coming back went yeah. down and it was such a like it was such a crazy time to be there and we were all like you know our we were we were we knew we were going to be unemployed in a few weeks, yeah. but it was such a fun time to be there. We could do anything and yeah. everybody was watching and there was fans rallying outside the studio and it was like it was such a fun time to be working for that show. Um, which was always a fun show to work for. I mean, that was when you were talking about people like inspiration or uh influence. Yeah. I mean, Conan was a show that I just loved growing up. And to this yeah. day, I still watch it two or three times a week. I, I love that show. Um, so, yeah, I was there through all that. And then I uh, came back and worked for his TBS show for a little while. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really wanted to get into writing, but I was a producer's assistant. Right. And so a writing job opened up at Conan um, and I applied to it, but I didn't get that job. Mm-hmm. So then writing jobs there open very rarely because yeah. it's, a, it's a great show to write for. Yeah. So I was like, it's going to be a few years before another position opened. So I started looking elsewhere. Um, Then uh, a friend of mine heard that there was a writing position open at the Ellen DeGeneres show. Uh, So I sent them some some writing samples and had a few interviews there and uh, started working for that show six years ago now. Um, And yeah, I love working there. I love writing for them. Um, It's on the same lot as Conan, so I still see a lot of my Mm. old, old coworkers and friends around really regularly. Um, and then that's that's opened up lots of uh, cool opportunities too. When she hosted the Oscars uh, two years ago, I got to write for the Oscars. Oh, cool! Um, and I got to go back and do stand up on Conan um, a couple of years after I'd worked there. Um, and then you know it's it's just fun. I, I get I don't tour a whole lot doing stand up, but uh, when I have off over the summer, I can you know yeah. go back to Pennsylvania do some shows there or in New York. Yeah. Uh, now, without going into Without going, we'll stick. We'll 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 have the detail be personal. Okay, which is, you know you're you're in a writer's room. Yeah, which is very different than writing standup. Which, yeah, when you're writing standup, you're accountable only to yourself. Uh-huh. Uh huh. How is that different? Where you're accountable to other people, um, and not to imply that it's just people shooting you down or anything yeah. like that. But I have to assume it's a very different process for you as a joke writer. I mean, for any writer, there's like you know you you have you have to know that. You know, some of sometimes ideas that you love make it, and sometimes ideas yeah. that you love get shot down. Um, I guess, I guess, like the the experience. I mean, when when any writer is going into that job, you know, you're writing for you know someone else, and I think that's kind yeah. of what helps with 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 my stand up and with you know whatever show you know I I, I write for. I've also done. Um, I, I did like freelance contributing to Weekend Update for a few seasons, mm. also, and got a couple of jokes on there. Um, but it's always like when it, when an idea hits me, it's always pretty clear which category it falls into. Right. Like, is this something I would do? Is this something that would work for this show? Is this something I would right. write for someone else? Um, so yeah, I mean, y- if if there's an idea that I really love, I can always just you know put it into my own standup. And you know, when you're writing for a show, it's you you kind of get used to so, you know. Whatever, whatever great idea you have, whether it's successful or not, the next day you have to come up with more ideas. So. Well, and I did have have a question. Uh, one of the things uh, you, you're not merely uh, you're not merely off screen at Ellen. Sometimes you are on screen yeah, as, yeah. A, as a character, yeah. whose name I have forgotten. I'm sorry. Uh, I do. Is it Kevin? Kevin the cashier, played by Adam. Yep. That's right. Yeah. And uh, you've done that uh, several times at this point. Yeah. And uh, what does that consist of? Uh, so it's a hidden camera bit where I go out and work at various stores or businesses and just kind of mess with the customers and it's it's fun to do <laughs> how i can't that sounds so <laughs> awkward to to do uh-huh. how on earth do you i don't know the do the, the awkwardness of it doesn't bother me oh. it's just you know it's fun yeah that would be i'm exhausted thinking about it <laughs> um but yeah uh that's and that's they're fun to amazing. shoot what's yeah. funny is um when i when I was growing up in Pennsylvania, my first job, uh, there's this local hot dog place in mm-hmm. Pennsylvania that's real popular called Yakos. And there's just like five or six locations like around mm-hmm. the Allentown area. But that was like my first job. And I worked there for like seven years, just, you know, a fast food job, mm-hmm. but I loved it. And like when I go back there now, the, some either people that work there now or people that I used to work with that are still there, they're like, oh, you used to 
used to make fun of customers and mess with them. And now you get paid to do that. Like, well, strictly like, yeah. speaking, you were getting paid to do it before. Yeah, exactly. But um, I would get in trouble for it back yeah, then. There so. you go, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, do you get, uh, do you get recognized? It's a very specific on screen. Uh, I, I don't get recognized very often. Every now and then it happens. Um, but you know, I, I it, yeah, it, it's a very specific, you know, yeah, it's a very specific audience that, that knows mm-hmm. those bits well enough to kind of recognize me when I'm out and about. Um, it's, it's happened maybe three or four times, but I don't get recognized real often. Mm-hmm. Um, the story I always tell about that is, um, the, the first time I was ever recognized, uh, I was doing a stand-up show in Chicago and right next to the, it was at uh, Zany's uh, Rosemont outside of Chicago. Mm-hmm. And after the show, I went to this bar next door um, and I was just by myself because I'd been there. I was just in town to perform. And then this girl comes up to me and she goes, she goes, I think I know you from somewhere. And I said, no. And she walked away. And then she comes back and she's like, she's like, I recognize you. Like, did, were, were we friends or something like that? And so... I was like, no, no. And then finally I go, oh, do you watch the Ellen DeGeneres show? She goes, oh my gosh, you're Kevin the cashier. And I said, yeah. And then she goes, can I get a picture with you? And she runs away and like comes back with her phone and like tried to take a selfie. And it was like, her memory was full. And I said, oh, you you have to delete a picture to make room. And she starts scrolling through her phone and she goes, nah, (laughs) I wasn't worth, I wasn't worth deleting a picture. A single photo. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's gotta be disheartening. Last night I did a show in, uh, up in Valencia and there was a few people that had seen my seen my name and came out and to see the show because they mm-hmm. recognized me from from Ellen. Um, but yeah, I, I don't get recognized very often out in public. Um, so we should uh, start actually start moving towards uh, towards finishing. So I've got a, a few questions for cool. you, uh, and one of them might be uh, I don't know might be too general of a question, but uh, do you have any suggestions for uh, Christians that might be interested in working? either in the entertainment industry in general or in comedy specifically? Hmm. I, I would say if, if you want to, go for it. It's not... Yeah. I, I think... Here's the thing. It definitely is an industry that has become very, very secular. And there are some people, especially, you know, within the comedy industry that are mm-hmm. sort of... I, I don't know. They, they, they look down on religious people. But it's not that that's like all that's out there. Right. there there's definitely, you know, lots of lots of Christians in, in the industry. There's nothing that should discourage you from getting involved in it. Um, and yeah, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't think there's any, I don't think there's any re- reason not to get involved. And just li- like I said, uh, I, I think I said this earlier, like I might've said it to you before we actually started recording, mm-hmm. but like my attitude with whether, you know, with my beliefs has always been, I'm not like a confrontational person, right. but I also don't hide it. And yeah. I think that's kind of, the attitude, and not just in the entertainment industry, but you know, in conversations or in life or whatever industry you decide to go into, you know, I I think I don't think you should be kind of antagonizing right people with your beliefs or trying to impose on them or disagree with them, yeah. but also don't don't hide it or feel like it's something that you have to kind of keep secret or deny that it's part of your life. Yeah. Um. So before we before we end, this is a movie show officially. Yes. Uh, what are some of your favorite movies? And we can go back to uh, influences and and uh, inspirations if you want. Or movies, I would general. say, are more movies that I like. Like when I I I, I was a film student at Penn State, but it was mm-hmm. because I wanted to get into script writing. Okay, and so I always liked the writing aspect of it. Okay. But I was there's movies that I like, but I was never like a film nerd, so to speak. That's all right. Where, but uh, I would say one of my favorite movies of all time is uh, Doctor Strangelove. Always yep. loved that one. Um, I like Gladiator a lot. Um, I, I like that one because it's kind of it's kind of the balance between like a like a cinematic movie and just mm-hmm. like a fun blockbuster movie. Yeah, it's kind of you know it's not necessarily the sort of arty nerdy kind of movie. <laughs> it's very just like you know action packed and yeah. fun. But I I still think it's a good movie. Um, I like Fight Club. Uh, and then I love like South Park, bigger, longer, uncut, and Team America. Yeah, those are great. It's hard to beat. Yeah, and then earlier, like when I uh, I love Monty Python. I think Monty Python and the Holy Grail is maybe the funniest movie ever. I I can watch that one over and over again and laugh at it every time. And Anchorman is the same way. I love Anchorman. I uh, I have always been. Holy Grail is 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 great, of uh-huh. course, um, but that's one that I actually got tired of watching. I've heard other people say that. Meaning of Life, however, is one that Meaning I can watch. Meaning of Life is great too. At any time, uh huh. 
And I think, I mean, it's basically a sketch movie. Yeah. Um, maybe, which is maybe why for me it's so, uh, revisitable. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Cause there's so many different individual. And then last week when we talked about religious satire, we talked about life of Brian. Oh, life of Brian. I love also. (laughs) Um, yeah. And then, uh, and, uh, even as I literally, as I was walking into church today, Uh I was, uh, I was singing that song. I'm sorry, everybody. I'm so ronery. Yeah. From team America. Kim Jong Il. Yeah. And I thought like, it feels inappropriate to be singing that yeah. as I walk into the, the church. music in like South Park and team America, those guys, they're just, yeah. they're so brilliant at, at writing these again. And it goes back to that thing where it's like this, like base humor and it's kind of vulgar and stupid, yeah. but it's done in such a brilliant way and yeah. has such a, comes together in such a brilliant way. All those songs are just amazing. Yeah. And that and so- book of Mormon is great too. I don't know if you've seen that, but I've not seen any, yeah, any iterations the songs of in that are good. Yeah. Yeah. The, the song in, the South Park movie where I guess it's a, it's, it's a combination of songs where it's, it's when everybody is singing about tomorrow night yeah, yeah. and then it, and it just ends with the French flag. Yeah. <laughs> like Ms. Les Miserables. Yeah. And I just thought like, that is, that is, those are people who know how musicals work. Yes. Yeah. They, and they I, clearly, they have this love of comedy, but they also have this genuine love of musicals and of theater and they, very they much put so. it together so well. Yeah. Uh, there is. And then in this, uh, I guess the new season is going to be starting very soon. But yeah, this, I think this Wednesday. Yep. In this last season, they had a song called "Safe Space" uh-huh. that is just delightful. Yeah, um, yeah. I will. I will never get tired of South Park. And I like because they uh, haven't gotten tired. And last season, I loved the restaurant song about the Yelp reviews, but I can't. <laughs> I can't reference that sing. on this yeah. in any way on this podcast. Yeah. But yeah, the best. Song, if you're not afraid of language, go check it out. Yeah. It's brilliant. Yeah. The best song from the South Park movie has a title I can't even say yeah. on the show. They're, they're so um, good. Yeah, it's uh, it's marvelous. And now I'm totally in the mood to just go yeah. watch a bunch of South Park. I'm also a big Futurama fan. Oh, I love like, Futurama. I yeah, Futurama. Futurama, the writing on that is so brilliant. There's like a joke in every sentence. It's yeah. just so, it's and, so sharp. And yeah, sometimes it is ultra nerdy. Cause, yeah. Because I'm a sci-fi guy, but when I hear what some of those, what some of those references are, I yeah. just think... Like equation-based jokes and stuff like that. (laughs) Like that, this is far out of my league Uh at this point. And also I've never seen an episode of Doctor Who. Sorry. I haven't Um, either. Yeah, that's that's one of those cultural things that just missed me completely. And part of me, even though nobody says, nobody says you need to start from the beginning. Yeah. In fact, they say you specifically don't have to. Yeah. uh, There's still part of me that's like, well, I got to start from the beginning. Uh Oh, it's going going 40 years. I guess I'm watching Deadwood again. (laughs) Um, That's a show that's well-written. So, uh, as always, we should end with uh, a recommendation of Deadwood because it's marvelous. Uh, have you seen Deadwood? I have not seen Deadwood, but oh, now, I have a, now I have a recommendation. There you go. Absolutely. <laughs> and it was only three seasons. And uh, Oh, that's easy. I can, it's one I can get through. It's not, exactly. It's not daunting. Yeah. That's, when people are like, oh, you have to watch this. It's like, oh, there's 12 seasons. And yeah. I'm like, oh. Three, uh, you know, uh, between Deadwood and Hannibal, both of which admittedly got canceled. Okay. So that's not super satisfying, but they both end on a note that's somewhat okay. Three seasons. Now we're talking. Yeah. I like that. Uh, I can get that. I can, uh, I can digest it very easily, but, um, okay. So, uh, real quick listeners, if you have any, uh, comments or questions, you can post them in, uh, at more than one lesson.com in the, in the comment section of this, uh, post. And then you can like us on Facebook. You can, uh, follow me on Twitter at more lessons. You can email me Tyler at more than one lesson.com. Uh, where can people find you online? Uh, so I have a website, Adam Uh, that's where I post all of my upcoming, uh, stand-up shows and mm-hmm. things like that um i have so, a few clips of my stand-up on youtube mm-hmm. um and then uh you know on on the uh on ellen tube and on the ellen show youtube yeah. some of my kevin the cashier videos are on there um and then i always promote don't follow me on twitter because i'm not on twitter and there's someone <laughs> who has a fake account in my name nice <laughs> so, I, so i always say whenever i go out and do podcasts or shows and i don't care but they yeah. they always they always hashtag you know, at Kevin the cashier on Twitter. And I have no idea who that is. They have my picture and they have a, yeah, they have, they have my picture and uh, they claim to be me, but I have no idea who it is. 
That sounds a little... So yeah, find uh, me on my website, on Facebook, and on YouTube, but not on Twitter. Not on Twitter. But anyway, okay. uh, Thank you so much for being here. This was a a lot of fun. It was great. Um, Yeah, check out Adam's stuff on on YouTube. It is very, very funny. And, uh, and, you know, see when he's uh, coming to a comedy club near you. So uh, thank you, everybody, for listening, and I'll get you next time. Bye.